We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Brian Roberts, it's mailback time, man. Let's rock this thing out, okay? We, I'm going to start right now with what Brandon had, and then we'll get into some super chats. But uh, Brandon says, B. Ryan, can I get a prediction for Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and then Kansas State, Iowa State? And then yep. there's a third game I want to ask you about too, Ryan, as part of the mailback too. So Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Ryan, what say yep. you? I think Oklahoma State continues continues their uh, pretty decent start so far. I, I really – and again – I have been so up and down with Spencer Sanders during the course of his career because he's such a talented kid, but he's just been so volatile during the course of his career. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so far this season and dating back to the Notre Dame Bowl game, man, like he's looked pretty good. He's been playing good football. Yeah. So I think Spencer Sanders has kind of turned the corner as a fifth-year senior. I think he's playing good football. And I think they still have Colin Oliver and Brock mm-hmm. Martin and a, you know, a couple of nice pieces on the defensive side of the football. So I think Oklahoma State wins that one. Texas Tech has been kind of a pesky team most of yes. the year, right? Like they played really competitive football games. So I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I, I I will just take the Oklahoma State game and uh, Oklahoma State team in this one narrowly over a tough Texas Tech team. Ryan, you know the interesting thing for me is I would I would argue obviously statistically last week's performance over Baylor was obviously Spencer Sanders' worst performance of the season just statistically from a yard standpoint. Yeah, only threw for 181 yards, 6.2 yards per attempt. Went 20 of 29, but you know what? He actually impressed me in that game. Mm-hmm. And, and and the reason why is because, to your point, he avoided, like, the really bad mistakes. He avoided the really bad misses. There wasn't a lot there for him down the field, so he took what was there. And then the way that Baylor was defending him opened up some opportunities for him to make some plays with his legs. And yeah. so what we saw, Ryan, was he, was, he, did, he avoided the big mistakes. He made plays when he needed to make plays, and he put that team on his shoulders, and they went on the road and beat Baylor 36-25 in a game that – Really, they controlled from start to finish. And he was able to win without being at his best. And that's the thing. When he was on, they could play with anybody. But when he was off, they could lose to anybody. And he showed me last week because, you know, I mean, Central Michigan, Arizona State, and Arkansas Pine Bluff are not tests for Oklahoma State. They're just not. Baylor on the road was a test. Now, Baylor's not as good as they were last year, but it's still a test, Ryan. And they, they, they passed the test with flying colors, in my opinion, offensively. And their defense showed a little bit better and more improvement, and that's going to be the key for me. Texas Tech is not a team that, like, like 
look, they're 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 like you said, they're pesky. You know, tough win over Houston, 33-20. They lost by 13 to NC State, but that was a, a I felt a more competitive game than the final score. I don't know if you agree with that, Ryan, but I thought just how the game played out, I thought it was more competitive than the final score. They go, then they bounce back from that, beat Texas 37-34, and they lost 37-28 to Kansas State, but they hung in there. They 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 play with Kansas State. I just think this game they're going to get smacked a little bit. I think this just because I just don't think they have the offensive firepower. I think I think Donovan Smith, Brian, you pointed out him to me, so I watched him a little bit this week. He's he's a pretty talented kid. The problem is he he has got a little bit of Spencer Sanders in him, in my opinion. <laughs> he is now what Spencer Sanders used to be. He'll make some throws. We're like, wow, that was a big time throw. Kid's got seven interceptions so far this year in five games. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my that's my problem. So uh, I I think that's going to come back to haunt them this week against Oklahoma State. I agree with you. I think Oklahoma State rolls. How about Kansas State, Iowa State? That one's a tough one, man, because they, they are kind of similar football teams in the sense that they play really good defense and they're they try to kind of they establish the run. I mean, on Iowa State's side of the things, you got Jaleel Brock, who's had some good moments this year. Kansas State, of course, they have Deuce Vaughn. Adrian Martinez has really played well over the last couple of games. Ultimately, I'm going to ride the hot hand there. I think that both teams are competitive and play good defense for the most part. I'm going to take what Adrian Martinez is doing right now, as as scary as that sounds, because I think that he's given them a dynamic element as a runner. Deuce Vaughn's a good football player. I take Kansas State in this game just because I don't think that Iowa State has enough offensively. I think Iowa State's in trouble. I do. I think Matt Campbell did some nice things at Iowa State, but he missed an opportunity last year. He had a very veteran team. You know, veteran quarterback, one of the best running backs in college football, veteran receivers, and they just couldn't take advantage. And they went what seven and six last year, something like that. They're three and two now. I Ohio stinks. Southeast Missouri State's an FCS team. They beat Iowa ten to seven. You know, got outplayed by Baylor at home. Couldn't move the ball on Kansas last week. I mean, that's the only time Kansas has looked good on defense all year was last week against Iowa State. I think I think they're in trouble. I do because after this, they got to go to Texas. And they're home against Oklahoma, home against West Virginia, at Oklahoma State, home against Texas Tech, and then at TCU. If they don't win this game at home against Kansas State, they may not make a bowl game this year. And I think at that point in time, a lot of shine is off of Matt Campbell, right? Because he raised the bar, and now he hasn't been able to live up to the bar that he set. And I think they're going to fall back down, in my opinion. So they need this game. If they win this game, now they're 4-2. and two, and then you, you know, you maybe you lose to Texas next week, next week, you're four and three, but then you got Oklahoma and West Virginia at home. You can win those games. You can beat Texas Tech at home. Now all of a sudden they they may have a chance to win seven games this year and then go to a bowl game and go eight and five. And then it's like, okay, yeah, this is what Iowa State's supposed to be. Seven and eight wins this year, in my opinion, after you lost Brees Hall and Brock Purdy is a pretty good year for Oklahoma State. But I could see the opposite happening. And I think this game is going to be the trigger for one of those two directions. It's a lot like we talked about with Notre Dame, Ryan is how that game goes is going to could potentially send this team in opposite direction, similar to what we said about Oklahoma, right? And so I think this is a big, big game for Iowa State. Big game for Iowa State. And I'm going to say this too. It's a big game for Kansas State because what we have seen from Kansas State in recent years, even under Chris Kleiman, who I like, is they have not been able to follow up some of their big wins and their big runs with keeping it going. Stacking right? it. Yes. And so, you know, I look at this year and, and they had the – blow out one of Missouri and then you fall to Tulane the next week. Well, you can live with that now because Tulane's turned out to be a Willie Fritz is doing a really nice job at Tulane right now. You know, they're four and one. Uh, they ha- they have a win over Houston, a win over Kansas State. They dropped the game at home to Southern Miss. That's not a good win. But, you know, that's a, a, a bad loss, but not as bad as it looked at the time. 
but they followed that up with the Oklahoma win, and then they bounced back with a quality win over Texas Tech. Now can they go on the road and keep that rolling or not? That's, to me, something we need to learn a little bit about them, in my opinion. So I definitely want to see that play out, Ryan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried Trade Coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about Trade Coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash irish. That's drinktrade.com slash irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. We do have some super chats down here. A couple super chats from Tyler Evans. He says, uh, favorite. thank you for the super chat, Tyler, for both of them. Or actually, no, we have Tyler Evans and Tyler Smith. So two different Tylers. I apologize. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Favorite game you guys watched last week, and how about that Thursday night game last night? I'll, I'll be honest with you, I did not watch it. I just, I mean, Ryan, you know this. I don't watch NFL really. I don't have time for it. I didn't even realize they were on until one of my wife's employees was. She's like, yeah, so and so. Don't say her name. She's been out all. She's out this week. I'm like, why? She's like, she's in uh, Colorado for the Broncos Colts game. It's like, okay, Bronco. I didn't know the Broncos were playing the Colts, first of all. I didn't know it was last night until I saw uh, a score update on on uh, 
coming across on Twitter. And I was like, oh, okay. You, Broncos you, you, are didn't, playing. you didn't miss much. You didn't uh, miss that's much. what I heard. I saw, <laughs> well, and you know, I saw the final score and this is like, oh my gosh, it's disgusting. But what was your favorite game last week, Ryan, that you, you got a chance to watch? There were several, there's some really good football games last week. There really were. What was the fa- I, your, your favorite games from last man, week? I was like flipping back and forth. I think the mm-hmm. Oklahoma game was probably my favorite though, just because yeah. I was like, it, I was in utter disbelief of what I was watching from TCU, man. I'm just like, Kendra Miller, Max Duggan, uh, Savion Williams had a couple big catches for them, had a touchdown. Tay Barber, D- uh, Darian, D- Davian Davis, or whatever his name is, the other slot receiver. Like, it was just ridiculous to watch yeah. what TCU did to Oklahoma, man. Like, I just could not believe it. It was bizarre. Bizarre. That's kind of how I felt about the AM Mississippi State game. I didn't see I just, any of that. Game. I enjoyed watching Mississippi State just outplay them for four quarters. I really did. That was. Uh, that was very enjoyable. Oh, the, very uh, enjoyable. the Ole, Ole Miss Kentucky was last week, right? Mm-hmm. That, was that was a good game. game. Yeah, that was, that was a good game. football game. And uh, big sack at the end. Will Levis has to hold on to the football at the end there because yep. yeah, they no doubt. had no a chance doubt. to win. But uh, Ole Miss is a decent football team, man. Yes. They got some guys. Defensively, Ole Miss has all of a sudden gotten a few defensive linemen in there. And yeah. Jackson Dart didn't have a great game, but he's – you know, played pretty well in spurts, and they have a really nice running game, obviously, with Quinshawn Junkins and uh, and Zach Evans. So, t- tough football team Ole Miss has this year, it seems. It wasn't as good of a weekend as I hoped it would be, Ryan. Some of the games that I hoped would be good, I hoped that Arkansas would give Bama a better game. And yeah. Bama's just not as much fun to watch when Bryce Young doesn't play. This particular team isn't. But I, I Jalen Milrow did some nice things with his legs in the second half. Kentucky Ole Miss was a good game. I thought Oklahoma State was a really fun game to watch. Outside of that, there really weren't a ton of games. You know, like I said, the, the one you mentioned, TCU Oklahoma, and then obviously the one I mentioned with Mississippi State and AM were were fun to watch. I didn't enjoy watching what Illinois did to Wisconsin because I just knew what we were watching. I knew we were watching I, the end of Paul Christ. I, I, didn't and I have a lot of respect for Paul Christ. I, I really do. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. You texted me about yeah. it, and I was like, "Wait, that's thirty-one to ten? Like that's yeah, insane." You know, it, yeah. It, it got ugly fast. It really did. It really did. I mean. He his time was over. I mean, you, he just he hasn't the program's not going in the right direction. I just I didn't think it was gonna happen. I didn't think it was gonna happen or should happen when it did. But mm-hmm. when you lose at home that bad to Illinois, whose head coach is Brett Bielema, there's just no coming back from that. Brett Bielema's doing a pretty yeah, solid really job. Nice in job. Illinois well, that too, was another man. game I was gonna ask you about. Illinois is at home against Iowa. Illinois has a chance to go go to five and one. If they can win I, this football game, Ryan, can they, can I, they beat Iowa at home? I think they, they can. can. They can. Yeah, they can. Cause I mean, yeah. I was just so anemic on offense. Right. So like, yeah. I, I think every game is going to be tight, even if they do win. So Illinois can, man, I'm just, I'm still struggling with Tommy DeVito. I don't think yep. he's a great, I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but I mean, Chase Brown is a stud at running back. Their offensive line is playing pretty well in Illinois and their defense is good, man. Like defense is really good. So I'm not worried about Iowa scoring at all. It's just, <laughs> Just have a hard time yeah. trusting Tommy DeVito a little bit. But see, but here's, where I, here's where I think that I'm I'm going to disagree with you a little bit is because I don't think, well, who do you trust more, Tommy DeVito or Spencer Petrus? Well, yes. I Well, yes. That's that's sure. that's where I, it comes down to. Me. <laughs> Spencer other, Petrus, out of the 130 whatever FBS teams, he might be top, top low, the low five of yes. quarterbacks that I trust. I haven't seen a worse one yet. Well, no, I'm sorry. Yes, I have. It's a kid we were talking about earlier from San Diego State, Braxton, Braxton Burmeister. He's pretty yeah. terrible. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, to me, I think they showed last week that that is, I mean, Wisconsin's a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. And they asked Tommy DeVito, look, dude, we don't need you to make a bunch of throws. Just move the chains. Don't make mistakes. 
He went 18 to 24 for 167 yards and they ran the football. I mean, that, that, that to me is the recipe for this football team. And if they can score 34 on Illinois, then they can score 20 to 24 on, on Iowa, which is enough for a win. Yep. But the thing is, you know, I'm sh- I'm shocked at how good Illinois has been on defense because they inherited a little better roster than I thought defensively and yeah. some of the transfers they've gotten. They play really good defense. They gave up 23 in a loss to Indiana, mm-hmm. and it was, I mean, it was not – I'm, I'm not putting all 53 – 23 of those points on the defense. Indiana mm-hmm. had 39-yard scoring drive, a 52-yard scoring drive, a 50-yard scoring drive, a 54-yard scoring drive. You know, a lot of, you know, just it was more on the offense to me. Right, right. But I just um, – I, I, that's going to be an interesting game. Illinois defense has a really has a nice secondary, man. Yeah. Sidney Brown's a good safety, but I'm telling you right, Devin Witherspoon is one of the best corners in college football. He's playing fantastic. Really? And Interesting. Yeah, man, he's a really good football player. He's going to get drafted probably top 100 this year, I think. He's had that okay. type of year. And then they have a defensive tackle named Jerzon Newton, who I had no idea who he was, but he's been one of the most productive interior pass rushers in college football this year. So Illinois has got some guys in defense, yeah. man. They really they do. Play, they are playing really good defense so far this year. Okay. Now, they haven't been tested by anybody yet, but this isn't going to be a test either. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, Minnesota next week is going to be a little bit more of a test for them, but they've shut people down. I mean, they really yep. have three points to Virginia, 10 to Wisconsin, zero to Chattanooga, six to Wyoming, and pretty good I, on defense. I, I just want to talk every week about how bad Tony Elliott has turned that Virginia offense in, in well, a very short the same amount of thing time. At Clemson. Like, look, yes. I'm going to say right now, and I say, I've said it a million times. Yep. Tony Elliott is not a great offensive mind. Jeff Scott is not a great offensive mind. They were great together. Together, together, yeah. Yep. And just just apart, they've neither of them have ever been the same. I just just haven't. And Man. uh yeah, I mean that offense was really good last year. And, and passing said, was fantastic. They, <laughs> this year. they are bad. I mean, they have turned Brennan Armstrong into a very mediocre college quarterback. Yep, it, with everyone coming back, they even got Lavelle Davis back from injury, who didn't play yeah. last year. Like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Brennan Armstrong sense. right now is completing fifty-two percent of his passes, four touchdowns, and five interceptions. Last year he threw thirty-one to ten, I think. Ryan, last year he had four games with at least four touchdowns. Man, I mean, you know what I mean, like. You know, goodness gracious! And Dontavian Wicks can't catch a football this year. Like yeah. he's just—he did not have a single game, and... not a Ryan. He did not have a single game that was fifty-two percent completions or lower. His lowest game last year was fifty-five point six against Duke. And this Brandon year, Armstrong is... was good last yeah. year, man. He yes, was good. <laughs> yes, he has ran that program right into the ground. It really is offensive. It's really bad. And I mean, the way that they're playing, Ryan. I don't see a lot of wins coming up on their schedule. I no. don't. I really don't. I mean, it's it's bad. Tyler Smith with Super Chat. Is this the week we finally see Lindsey get the deep ball? With the way we BYU plays their defense, I believe we will see him uh, a lot one-on-one. Possible. I mean, BYU does a pretty decent job of, of trying to prevent the deep ball, mm-hmm. the way that they mm-hmm. drop into coverage. I think if Braden's going to make some big play, I mean, we, we could see it. And that's why, what did we say yesterday, Ryan? Establish the run. Establish run, establish run, establish run. Don't let BYU get into their drop eight kind of stuff. Make them get their safeties thinking downhill. If you can get their safeties thinking downhill, then, yeah, you can take one over the top. There's no doubt. 
Yep. I think more likely is what we'll see is something like a, an over route, a cross, something like that, where Braden gets free and catches it in, on the run and then goes that way if he's going to make a big play. But it, I would, I'm going to be honest, I would rather see him just flat beat somebody on a post route and go for a touchdown. If, if Drew Pine can drop back and, and rip off a post route and Braden Lindsay catches it on the run and scores a long touchdown, that's going to send, that's going to be something that you want on film. Yes. No doubt. I just don't know if this is the week that we see it just because of the way that they play. It's almost happened every week. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. I'm just mean the structure of the, of the way that they play defense is what it was where yeah. I'm coming from. Oh no. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying to Tyler, like, is it going to happen this week? I mean, it may, it could have happened almost every single week this year so far. And he was open for so... a deep ball against Ohio state. He was open for a couple deep balls against Marshall. He was open for a deep ball against Cal. I mean, it's been there. Just haven't been able to give him the football. So yep. we shall see. Yep. But thank you for the super chat. Here we go. Irish blooded over under on how many times Tobias is targeted. One and a half. Where are you going with Ryan on this one? I, I mean, I'll go under because I have mm-hmm. no reason to think that it's over. <laughs> but yep. it, I mean, if it's under and it's one, that's better than it has been. So it's positive. Well, movement. I will say this. If the game gets played the way you think it could mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Notre Dame blowing them out, then I, I do think they'll get him in and, and, um, and get him some targets. If, if yeah. he gets if he gets snaps in this football game, then I'll say it'll be over because yeah. I, I just I, I have a hard time believing that they're again going to just trot him out there for one or two plays and not let him get any action. Like get him yeah. some action, get him something. I was, this is a funny comment. Derek Colmer said Russell Wilson is trying to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> Man, it's no, not nobody's great. taking that contract. There's how no bad, doubt about that. How bad are some of these? veteran quarterbacks that switched teams this offseason man because yeah. i mean as bad as russell wilson was matt ryan was equally as bad last night yeah. he is cooked man matt ryan yeah. is bad now but matt how old is matt ryan he's like 38 i think yeah yeah i mean that 37 38 minute yeah he's 37 yeah. yeah that dude's that dude's old yeah oh he is old he is yeah. old but man he uh yeah he looks i read i was listening to some analysis and i forget who it was but they said that the o-line for um well they had for, to put um the Colts. Uh, Colts isn't, hasn't been very good this year. Well, they had, um, especially last night, they had to put the rookie Bernard Raymond in the game, and he was just outmatched, man. He had he gave up like three sacks and had two holding penalties or something. Quentin Nelson actually had a bad game last night. He was not good last night for Indianapolis. So, yeah. Here's a, a, comment, a question. Irishman7114, speaking of Colorado, did you all see the scared straight SEC short? Those guys are hilarious. Did you see that, Ryan? I didn't. It was hilarious. You've got to watch it. You've got first of all, you've just got to watch the SEC shorts. They bring it every week, but they basically did a thing with Georgia where they tried to scare him straight, you know. And so it's like that he goes into this basement, and it's like UConn, and I'm trying to think who the other team was, and uh, you know, and and they're like making fun of George, like how could you do this, and like trying to, you know, it's kind of like you know that that, that where they put kids in prison and they try to scare him straight with that. It was like kind of similar to that, and. Um, you know, because of how bad they played against Missouri. And he's like, y'all aren't even power five teams. I'm like, oh, he doesn't respect. And they're like, bring out the buff. And he's like, the buff. The and this buff. big guy comes out, and he's wearing a Colorado shirt. And he takes the Georgia guy, like picks him up, slams him up against the wall. He's like, we used to be where you were, national champs and all sort of kind of stuff. And he's like, now look at us. It's just like, it just scared him straight, you know. And then it was just really funny. But it, they they do such good work. They really do. I love those guys. They're hilarious. It's like it's it's like every week. It's like just every time they come out, it's like they just bring it. I, they're they're phenomenal. They're a lot of fun. So you'll have to watch it, Ryan. Just subscribe to them on Twitter and you'll see it. it. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. 
All right. So the next question that we have here. Oh, comment from USMA87. I really, really appreciate this. He says, don't forget to check out CFB Nation pods. I'm enjoying them. I appreciate that very much. Uh, the guys have done a great job. The Sporting News guys have done a great job. Bill Trochi and Bill Bender. Uh, they do two shows a week. Uh, we're going to now put one out on Tuesday and one on Wednesday before we were going Wednesday and Thursday. But we're going to put the breakdown of the previous week's game, the latest news. They've been talking about a lot of the coaching firings. We'll put those out on that out on Tuesday at 11, around 11 every week. And then, of course, their preview of the upcoming games goes out on Wednesday. So definitely make sure that you subscribe to the CFB Nation podcast and get that uh, checked out as well. Uh, so Ryan had to leave so he could go subscribe to SEC Shorts uh, on Twitter. So we appreciate or, that. Or, or, um, so, or so my laptop didn't die because the charger okay. wasn't plugged there in. There you go. That that too. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Waits is over under on total touches for Chris Tyree at 18 and a half. 18 and a half is a good number. Um, I'll go slightly under. Yeah, I think too. that, again, it's with the balance we've seen over the last couple weeks, right? That's the main getting – I think he got 17 carries last week. I know Logan Diggs had 10 carries plus a couple catches, obviously. I think we're going to see a very balanced attack from the running backs moving forward. So I'll say under on the 18 and a half. There we go. So B. Ryan, uh, Brandon Plenzer says, B. Ryan, does Jacob Lacey forfeit his scholarship by stepping away from the team? Technically, I believe that Notre Dame, I'd have to look at the rule. I believe Notre Dame could take his scholarship away, I believe, but I don't think there's any chance that they would. They're yeah. not angry with Jacob that he's doing this. They're disappointed. They didn't want him to do it, but there's no anger there. I think they understand it, and they don't like it. They don't agree with it, but they understand it. And and Jacob's done everything right at Notre Dame up to this point in time. I, I, I completely disagree with Jacob's decision. I do. I don't think he should do this. I think he should play the season out. You never yeah. know when your opportunity may come. And then, you know, if you want to transfer somewhere next year, then transfer somewhere next year. I'm not a fan of walking away from a team that you made a commitment to. I'm sorry. You know, you weren't promised more playing time. You decided to be a part of this team and you decided to walk away. Having said that, I still think Jacob's a great kid. I think he's making a bad decision. I do. And I think it's one he's going to look back in his as he gets older and regret. You know, and I was having this conversation with my dad last night, and you know, and and I I understand the I understand where he's coming from. I've kind of been there on a much smaller scale. But, you know, the one thing I can always look back on and say, you know what, no matter what happened to me, I never quit. I didn't I didn't quit. I didn't I didn't walk away from my team. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you're punishing your teammates for what you th- perceive the coaches are doing. And even though the teammates are understanding of it, I don't I don't agree with it. I just yep. don't. But I respect Jacob and I'd be really ticked off if Notre Dame took the scholarship away. And I don't there's no way they would ever do that. First of all, there's no way Marcus Freeman would do that. Number two, I don't know if the administration would let him do that if he wanted to do that. So either way, it's not it's, I don't see it happening. So I haven't even really took time to look into the rule officially. But I, I believe like when Lawrence Keyes left last year, there was conversation that they could take his scholarship away. They didn't. So I'd have to look into that a little bit more. Yep. John Mayo with a comment. He says, BYU has zero trenches. We're going to bully these cats 300 rushing yards easy. Uh, there's no way Notre Dame easily gets 300 yards rushing. I mean, I mean, Brian, I said this, right? Like, I think that the BYU defensive line isn't – it's definitely not the best I've seen, right? Like, it's not a great defensive line. But, I mean, saying that they have nothing is very disrespectful to Tyler Beatty. Yeah, like, I think Tyler Beatty is a good football player. I think there's a couple of good players on that defensive line. But it's not, it's not a great unit for BYU. So, I agree partly. But, I mean, 300 yards easy – Come on, man. Nah. Yes. Yeah. I just, 
again, I think it's a disrespect to what BYU is as a team, but we'll find out. Anthony Solomon says it doesn't look good nationally if BYU loses two of the three big games, especially losing big. As a Notre Dame fan, I would be happy. I know that I can count on the media to diminish the result is my point. And he's referring to something he said to somebody else. But I don't really care about what the national media says about Notre Dame about this win. I think this is a game that Notre Dame needs. If they have a big one over, over BYU, yes, they'll talk down BYU, but the, I think they'll still get plenty of praise for how well Notre Dame played. Mm-hmm. And But more importantly, it's, you need to have more film of you being dominant that you can show recruits. Hey, look, we had a bad start, but we're good now. We've dominated North Carolina, who's four and one. And that's and then we didn't even talk about that when we were breaking down that game, Ryan. If if North Carolina goes on the road and beats Miami two mm-hmm. weeks after Notre Dame destroyed them, and then they also destroyed Virginia Tech, that's a great sign for Notre Dame. And you know, it it help makes them look better. And I love Arkansas and what they're doing, but I will be rooting for BYU next week when they play Arkansas at home. There's no doubt about it. Irish Blooded asks, bigger margin of victory this weekend, the Notre Dame game or the Kansas game? You were about the same on both for your official predictions, I, I right, Ryan? I was, yeah. So so the predictions I put out on the site, I, I had Notre Dame with a large, or margin, larger margin of victory than Kansas, than, uh, than Kansas losing to TCU. But I... Man, I just I, when I think about both games, I really do think that TCU and Notre Dame have a chance to run away with it a little bit and kind of have a, a good little. So I, I honestly, I respond like I think it's kind of close. I'll end up saying, I'll say TCU slightly, just because I I think that I think that Kansas is a little more smoke and mirrors than BYU is. So I'll just yeah. leave it there. USMA eighty seven said, "Who saw Syracuse doing so well?" He did. I did. I did say they were decent. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. thought they'd be a better team this year. Now, yeah. you know, five and oh, I, I mean, they haven't really played anybody probably. great. The Purdue yeah. win was good. I think that was a good win. The Purdue win. I, was I probably would have said four and one in, right. in the first five. But yeah, Ryan, you, you talked about how good their offensive line was. You loved their running mm-hmm. game. You liked their defense. You you and I did a show this summer where we, we were talking about the opponents and you kept talking about like this. This team has a couple of pros in their secondary and, and some yeah. good veteran we we did our all opponent team and we had two Syracuse defensive players on our all opponent team we had the the linebacker Jones and we had the cornerback Garrett Williams we're both on our all opponent teams yeah and they, so, and they have they have Darian Chestnut yeah. who's another good corner they have Marlo Wax yep. who's playing good football at linebacker they have Matthew Bergeron who's going to get drafted pretty high at left tackle Sean Tucker I mean it's right. a decent team oh and that's what I was going to say when we got into best position groups we made the we made the we had the conversation that there's an argument to be made that mm-hmm. the best cornerback tandem on Notre Dame's schedule this is preseason could be Syracuse I still so believe that. Ryan yeah. has been talking about Syracuse for a while. Outside of that, not many people. I didn't think they'd – I mean, I, I thought they'd I – mean, look, again, they're 5-0. They're and oh, Their only road win and road game is at UConn. Mm-hmm. But they dominated Louisville. They had a good win over a Purdue team that's that's decent, right? Purdue just went on the road and beat Minnesota. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And and then they had a you know an ugly win over Virginia, but they got it done. And then they blew out Wagner, who's like 0-4. And at the FCS Wagner's level, so right? bad, man, so bad. So we'll 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 see. They got to buy this week, and then they're home against NC State, and then at Clemson, home against Notre Dame. So we're gonna find out over the next month just how good Syracuse is. Then they're at Pitt, home against Florida State, at Wake, at BC. So this five and zero start could look not good by the end of the season, but they're doing some good fo- some good things. My question is, can Garrett Schroeder continue what he's doing 
Schrader continue what he's doing as the competition amps up on defense? That's the question question I have because they haven't played anybody that I think has a pulse as any good on defense so far this season. That's a big question. I do feel good about for Dino Babers, though, after mm-hmm. what he's done over the last couple of years. It's it's nice that he's gotten off to a good start because I have to think the seat's getting a little hot for him, man. Just had right. to have been before the season. But Well, I had, I had reached out to some people that are familiar with that situation to kind of find out, like, how does this guy still have a job? Yeah. Right? Like, And from what I was told is, here's why. Mm-hmm. They're willing to give him a much longer leash because he is incredibly well-respected at that school. Cares about the kids. Seems like a good dude. Right. Yeah. Getting academics, treats people right. That's those things that I've heard. Now, not always the most organized head coach. You know, there's been some staff issues at times, but very well respected guy. And the 2018 season, that combined with the 2018 season, was going to let them give them the benefit of the doubt to try to turn it around. But I was also told that if things go south this year, that that could be the final straw. So this yeah. is a much needed start. And, you know, I, again, between NC State at home, Notre Dame at home, Florida State at home, they need to upset one of those two teams. And then between at BC, at Wake, at Pitt, they need to at least win one of those two games. If they do that, they're seven and five. They're in a bowl game and people are happy, in my opinion. Not not in love with it, but they're happy. And then mm-hmm. if you pull off a couple of those upsets, you know, extra upsets, and now all of a sudden you're eight and four. But that's why beating Purdue was important. Because 5-0 and is, I mean, it's a good look. They're ranked. They're ranked yep. in the top 25. And they don't play this week. So unless NC State loses this weekend, which is possible, they could be playing in back-to-back top 25 games, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because then they play Clemson the week after that. So I mean, there's there's just a lot more NFL talent on that team than people give them credit yeah. for. So yeah, and you have been saying that since before they started five and zero. Market wise says, uh, based on what we've seen in totality, we should still be in show me mode. This game mm-hmm. could change that perspective quite a bit in the right direction. He's talking about the Notre Dame BYU game, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Ryan is agreed. This game will tell us a lot about this team. I'm going to be a believer in this team if they come out and do what we've we believe they're capable of. And I'll feel very good. We won't be talking about show me, show me, show me against Stanford and UNLV the next two weeks if they come out and handle their business against BYU. I agree. But for this game, yes, he's correct. This is uh, this is still show me mode. It's a big There's game. no doubt. Coming out of the bye week, feeling decent about yourself after the North Carolina game, it's a huge game. No doubt yep. about it. Yep. Siggy13 says, Brian and Ryan, is there a big difference the way this staff is handling these big venue away games compared to Kelly regime, or is that pretty uniform across the NCAA? Right. I think everybody has their differences on how they handle road games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if there's huge, huge differences. I, I, I think that what changes is more of this team plays a little bit more so far as plays a little bit more fire and passion than Brian Kelly's teams do. And I think that's really important on the road really mm-hmm. important on the road, especially when you're playing a good football team is you got to come out with a little bit more intensity. You've got to be able to match, not just the intensity of the team, but the crowd. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think this team has done a pretty good job of that because you know they, they came out playing hard against North Carolina. They didn't execute great early, but they were playing very hard. I mean, you could see that early on. They were playing very hard. Yeah. yeah I guess I, I was curious if this question was also referring to like the bed check stuff mm-hmm. and getting in at a certain time. Like, yeah. I didn't know if that's, what that was I don't think that's, yeah, maybe, I don't know if that stuff matters a ton to be, I mean, yeah. unless you're just doing nothing, which obviously would be a, a problem. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily uh, the case, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that would also be a, an interesting one. Yeah. There's, you know, there'd be a, yeah. Yep. So 
Let's go here to this next one, Ryan. Alan Trent says, "Is B is so uh, so BYU going to handle eighty seven Michael Mayer? I, they're they're going to have a plan for him, and yeah. they handle him. So that's a big yeah. word. That makes it sound like they just they took him to the woodshed, right? Like they right. dominated him. I don't think anybody's going to handle Michael Mayer. It's just can they limit Michael Mayer? Like that's the yeah. biggest thing. I think they'll have a plan. I mean, they have a couple talented linebackers that have some length to them that I think that they'll be able to." try to limit him. But I mean, at the end of the day, handle, I think is a little too strong because I think Michael Mayer is one of the best players in college football. So yes. I don't think anybody's going to handle him. Yes. I will. I, here's, here's the thing, Ryan, for me, mm-hmm. of all the teams on the schedule, BYU is one of the teams that is personnel wise in best position to handle him. Yep. Because of the length and the type of cover players they have at linebacker. Now, can one of those guys handle Michael Mayer? No, but between you know bracketing and some different things, I think BYU will have a Michael Mayer plan. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that they can, uh, like you said, handle him not one on one, but th- they they have the personnel to limit his effectiveness. Yeah, I do, but I also think that then opens up opportunities for other people. Yes. So uh, this question was asked, Sam Tyrell was asking when we were talking about our predictions earlier on uh, how many picks do you have this week? We did four, including the Notre Dame game. We did Notre Dame and um, BYU. We did Texas, Oklahoma. We did LSU, Tennessee, and we did was TCU, Kansas was the other game uh, we did yes. also. Yep. And then on the season, we will have four to five a week. Uh, but right now I'm 20 and four and Ryan is 18 and six. And we're both we're both two and two for Notre Dame because we include our Notre Dame predictions on there. So I'm 18 and two in all of college football. Ryan is 16 and four, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm uh, two and two for, I mean, basically my record for Notre Dame is going to be whatever the team's record is. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's just the reality of it. So, um, and then Vince actually, Vince and Sean Styers both uh, are three and one picking Notre Dame games because they both mm. picked Notre Dame to, they both picked Ohio State in the opener. So. Imagine picking against Notre Dame. Yep. <laughs> knuckleheads i mean yeah they were right and everything but still who cares about being right yeah exactly uh milton fan 15 this i saw this question earlier ryan and it was interesting Mm -hmm. milton fan 15 says uh b ryan what does logan Diggs do that estimate can't do or doesn't do as well and i keep hearing they compliment each other but all i see is a backup death depth piece from logan Diggs. i don't there are several people that i've seen express this i don't get it i don't get what people are missing with logan Diggs. i i wonder if sometimes the fact that he's always a threat to transfer has soured some people on him and so they pick apart his game but i don't know how you can watch him last week and not you want to know how he's a compliment? Just go watch the North Carolina game, man. I mean, that's the reason. That's how he compliments. Look, mm-hmm. You're not going to be running wheel routes with Audric Estime, right, and catching the ball down the field. He's a legitimate pass game weapon. Estime is more of what we've seen, swing routes, angle routes, little quick stuff. He's a traditional yeah. running back as a pass catcher. Logan Diggs is also more elusive than Audric. Audric is kind of a downhill guy. He can kind of do one cut, but – you know, Logan has shiftiness. Logan is their most elusive running back. I mean, even compared to Tyree, I I think from a style of play and as a runner, I think Estime and Tyree are more similar than Estime and Diggs as far as running style, yeah. right? Both one, Estime and Tyree, both one cut guys, you know, both counter inside zone guys, off tap mid zone guys, right? Estime is more of a stretch, you know, let the things develop and then find a crease. He can make you miss in space. I think he is absolutely a compliment to those two guys. And I'm not quite sure what you would see that would make you, especially after the North Carolina game. Like I, I could understand this question before the Carolina game, 
But I, I'm a little puzzled by the question after the North Carolina game because I think that game was the perfect example of why Audric Estime is such a good compliment, not just to Audric Estime, but to also to Chris Tyree. Yeah, I think they all complement each other really well. I mean, if, if Milton Fan, like if I wanted to quantify him, right? I mean, I think Brian did a really good job of it, but just kind of reiterate again. I mean, Audric Estime is kind of that one cut downhill hammer, but I think that he has some decent foot quickness in the hole. So I think he can make a second level defender miss. Logan Diggs is kind of shifty, making miss in the hole, can run a little more routes than than what your typical running back can do. And then Tyree's the lightning, obviously. Tyree is also a one cut and go guy, though, right? Like he's not a make you miss a ton in open space. He can do it some, of course, but he's wants to get vertical and he wants to be really, really fast. So I think they all complement each other really well. I mean, Brian, I've, I have never once said that like, this is a two headed running back situation. And then there's a depth piece behind him. Like this is a three headed system. In my opinion, I think they can all contribute and they all do things that are very different in my opinion. Yeah. I agree. I think you nailed it. Next question that we have, Brent Smith. Why were Jacob Lacey's reps so inconsistent from game to game? Ohio State 29, 11 for Marshall, uh, two sacks first Cal, and he played, I think, 24 sacks first Cal, and then nine snaps at North Carolina. Um, I can explain to you why. I just don't agree with it. They basically, in the opener, they just they rotated a lot of guys in, but after that, they went very offense or pass game versus run game oriented game plans. The Marshall game, so I was told this by several people, that they switched game plans in the middle of the week against Marshall. Early in the week, they were run-oriented game plan, and Jacob had a lot of snaps early that week And because uh, Jason Adamiola didn't practice a lot that week because he was um, resting, getting a little banged up against Ohio State. And then they switched it in the middle of the week and went to more of a pass-oriented game plan, which I didn't understand. I, I, I mean, the run or game plan should have been your deal because you come up tight, play the run, and make Henry Colombo beat you down the field. It was a really bad game plan by Al Golden. Really bad game plan and not in a poorly called game. Now, he's recovered from that, and he's been pretty good every other game, right? I mean, people have bad days, guys. I mean, and good coaches have bad days. But that was a bad day, a bad week for Al Golden, in my opinion. And so when they go pass-oriented game plans like they did against North Carolina, they're, you know, they're just not playing. They don't think Jacob Lacey can rush the quarterback. Now, I think that's a little nutty, especially after he had two sacks, including on a beautiful spin move against Cal. It's not like he just bull rushed a guy and drove him into the quarterback or Isaiah Foskey had a great rush and then they just ran him into Jacob Lacey twice. His first sack was the best move we've seen on a sack all year from another end defensive lineman. So, I don't agree with it, Ryan, but that's the justification. When they play teams that are more run-oriented, you know, 12 personnel-oriented, they're going to play Jacob. When they play teams that are more 11 personnel-oriented, they're going to play other guys. I don't agree with it, but that's the reasoning for it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't going to change. So, thoughts on that? I mean, that's it, man. I mean, that's that's kind of the context to it, right? I mean, we can sit here – and we can disagree with it all we want. And I know sure. that me and Brian do, right? Like we yeah. talked about it yesterday on the phone. Like I, I think Jacob Lacey should have played more, but the fact is, is that that's how the coaching staff sees it. That's the game plan they implemented. And that's why it was limited in those, uh, in those instances. Again, don't agree with it, but right. It's why it, it happens. And even if that's true, which I don't, mm-hmm. I don't agree with it. You still need to play Chris Smith and Jacob Lacey more because you do not want Howard cross at 275 pounds as a nose guard or Jake, Jason Adamula as a 285 pound three technique. Who's, who's had an, a shoulder injury in the past averaging 45 to 50 snaps a game, which right now they are. Yep. That, that's going to hurt you in November. It's going to hurt talk, you in November. 
We talked about that too on the phone yesterday. Like I, yeah. I think that we should have been closer to a 50-50 split or a 45-55 split. Like I think that Jacob Lacey should have played a lot more football. Would agree. Totally agree. Yeah. But I can also explain it and and that's the reason why. Right. You know, so uh, yeah. we'll see. Michael Johnson with a question, well, Brian Ryan, what is the best job available right now in college football? So Ryan, it, it's Nebraska is open, right? Mm-hmm. You've mm-hmm. got Wisconsin is now open. Georgia Tech is now open. What are the other jobs? Arizona State Arizona is now State's open. open. There's yep. a fifth job, I thought, that's open. And I'm drawing a blank. Boise on... State? No, they didn't fire their coach, did they? Not Unless yet. they did it this past week. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the other job is that's open right now. Um, and, and I'm completely drawing a blank right now. But I, I could have swore that when we were talking the other day that there were five jobs available. So we said Nebraska – Wisconsin, Georgia, Tech, Colorado, Colorado. Colorado. Someone there just you said, go. Yeah. There you oh, go. Thanks, Archer. Okay. Thank you for that. So, yeah, I knew there was a fifth job up. And so, Calderell just got fired. Yep. Rank those five, Ryan. Best, best to uh, fit five. Let's go five to one. We can yeah. talk about the best one last. I think I'll, I'll give my opinion, right? Yeah. On I think Colorado is the worst job. Oh, easy. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> that it, is a here's barren why. wasteland. Yeah. It, there's just not a lot of talent in Colorado anymore. Just they don't yep. produce a lot of talent. It's a very weird school. It's like you if you took Cal Berkeley and put it in the mountains, it's <laughs> that's the kind of school it is, right? Which yep. man, whatever it is, what it is, but that is going to hurt uh, hurt you in attracting certain types of players from certain parts of the country. Just is, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the Denver area; it's beautiful and all that, and that's very attractive. But it's just, it's just a, it's just it's a Boulder's a weird place. Mm-hmm. And um, I've got a, a lot of warm feelings there. It's, I mean, I drive through Boulder to go up to the spot where I proposed to my wife. We used to live out in Denver. So, I mean, it is a beautiful area, but it's just it's a very strange place. There's a lot of weird stuff going on there. The program hasn't been good, really consistently good for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think the other part of it, too, Ryan, is they they have they leaving the Big 12 was even worse for them than it was for Nebraska. Yeah, look, Colorado is, which is weird because Colorado has really changed. Okay, talk politics for a second. Mm-hmm. Colorado has gone from a pretty right-leaning state to a very left-leaning state over the last 20 years because there's been a ton of California transplants into the state. The yep. weird thing, however, is the athletics program, or at least the football program, has struggled to recruit football players from California, which I find very strange. You'd think that it would work, right? And I think that's a Part of the reason that Colorado sought the Pac-12 was because they felt that they had more in line with the West Coast than the Southwest. This hasn't worked out that way for their football program. So I think those are the factors why I think this is a bad job. I don't think they pay well either. Uh, facilities are just kind of okay. It's uh, it's a bad job, in my opinion, and I don't see it getting any better. I, I, I don't. It's, it's Yeah, and and I mean, and the previous regime has left them with nothing, right? No, like it, immediate, like – I can't see them getting a quick, like not even a quick turnaround, but like too respectable quick. Cause it's just, it's bad right now, man. There's yeah. not much talent there at all. Yeah, really not. What's your fourth job? I I'm, I'm sticking, I'm sticking in the conference. I'm going Arizona state next. Oh, I'm uh, not, I'm not going yeah. Arizona state. They're yeah. higher up my list. Um, yeah. I would probably go Georgia tech. I think Georgia okay. tech's in a tough spot. I mean, I don't think they have a ton of talent. I also think that you're, you know, I know that there's a lot of talent in the South, but you're still in the same state as Georgia, right? Sure. So you're not going to get like first hands in Georgia type of thing. 
you can probably get some decent recruits that maybe get undervalued a little bit, but I think Georgia Tech's in a pretty tough spot right now. Yeah. You know, for me, Ryan, I I think Georgia Tech's a really good job. I do. Hmm. For the right coach. You, yeah. you, yes, you're in the same state with Georgia, but Georgia in the Southeast as a whole is one of those states where you can take all the scraps that Georgia doesn't want and still have a pretty good football team in the ACC. Right? I mean, and, and you no, know, Georgia Tech doesn't have a lot of talent, but they have better talent than what we've seen from them record-wise the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I just don't think Jeff Collins is a very good coach. Also, I think Atlanta is a place that you Georgia Tech has been and will continue to be a transfer portal haven in that it's a place that's if the, with the right coach will always be attractive to to transfer kids that aren't making it at their school. You know, Miles Sims goes to Michigan from Georgia, doesn't make it, comes back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm drawing uh, – Kenyatta Watson goes to Texas, doesn't make it, comes back to Georgia Tech. To You know, Derek Allen goes to Notre Dame, doesn't make it, comes back. There's always going to be those kind of kids for the right job, I think – because you know, you, you're hopping a skip from Florida, you're hopping a skip from the Carolinas up to Virginia, you're hopping a skip from Alabama, which is greatly increasing its talent level. And of course, there's a lot of kids in Georgia. Whereas Arizona is ascending as a state, producing talent, but it's still nowhere near what it what it what Georgia is. And yes, they have California, but Georgia Tech can also go down into Florida. And and so so and also, you know, Tempe is a, it's a it's a pretty cool college town. But I, I don't know if Arizona is a, a place where they can really go outside the Southwest to get kids. I think Georgia Tech academically also has a lot to offer where they can kind of go up to Ohio and go up to the Northeast and they can even go out West a little bit if they get the right coaching staff and get some kids because they can sell a, a pretty quality academic situation as well. So I actually really like uh, Georgia Tech as a, as a program. It's, it's just one of those jobs, Ryan, where it's got to be the right guy. It's not a job that just anybody can go to, but if you get the right guy, I think he can have some success there. And then finally, I think the league is better. You know, I think right now from a, a, a where you can kind of kind of quickly ascend, in my opinion. And whereas the Pac-12, it's like with USC and UCLA out of the Pac-12, I don't know how attractive of a job that is. I mean, are you even going to know what conference you're going to be in in three years if you take that job? You know, and somebody said Dion to Georgia Tech. There's okay, it's a good job for the right guy, and ain't the job for Dion. I'm not if I'm Deion Sanders, I don't think people appreciate how serious Dion is about building up the HBCU mm-hmm. level schools. He's serious about that. Like this isn't just a gimmick for him to recruit and build up a better job. Do I think Dion is forever going to stay at Jackson State? No, no. But I think he's going to be really picky about the kind of jobs he might leave them for. Do I think he'd be attracted to go to his alma mater? I yeah, I do. I do. I, I'd be shocked if Dion left for Georgia Tech. I when he says the things he says about building up the HBCU level, I really think he means it. I really do, and mm. I just don't think he's going to leave for just any job. I don't, and I and I definitely don't think he's going to leave anytime soon. I, I you know I I, I think he's going to at least like if he leaves Jackson State, it's going to be because he's built it up, and he feels like there's a succession in place where they're going to continue going. I, I, I truly believe that when he, I, I think Dion's a pretty honest dude, right? I do. Maybe a little too honest sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do. So anyway, um, so we got, we had another super chat there, Ryan, that I saw from Tyler Evans has Notre Dame has a Notre Dame game ever made you guys cry. 
when I was a young kid. Not yeah, as absolutely. an adult, no. Not as an adult, uh, no. Not in yeah. the last like twenty years, right. but like when but I was a kid, kid, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I cried when they. I was fifteen when they lost to Boston College, and I cried. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I cried when uh, Rocket when they called the penalty on Rocket. I was so mm-hmm. mad. There were more tears of anger. My defense I was, I was twelve. But, I, well, I yeah. think I think I was twelve when they lost in the Bush Push game, and I definitely okay. cried in that game, hundred percent, hundred percent. But as an adult, no. Yeah. Um, I will say this: the first time I was on campus in Notre Dame, I got a little for a game in 2007, I got a little bit misty eyed. But it was more of like you know the 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 Rudy's dad walking to the stadium, and this is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. You know what I mean? So like it was kind of mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But I wouldn't say that was a Notre Dame game that made me cry. It's just the right. The magnitude of being on that campus is still an amazing, an amazing right. thing, in my opinion. Oh, sure is. Walking past yeah. the grotto always gets me, man. It's oh, beautiful. yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I, I, you know, as you know, Ryan, I believe in the power of prayer. And I, I've gone over there before and knelt down on the 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 over there in the praying area and, and lifted people up in prayer it's or just, lifted myself up in my family. It's a it's a very it's you just can so, feel it. You can feel yeah. it there, you know. Well, the I mean? energy, and then leaving when whenever it's like a night game when you leave and it's all illuminated and everything, it's just it's awesome, man. It's really yeah. cool. And you were not alone, Ryan, on the uh, the Bush Push. Connor Nepper says I cried. Right. The Bush Push. Prior was screaming in the street because we won the dang game. So yeah, uh, Father <laughs> David Penny says Brian that happened to me at the Cal game this year, walking on the field on the Friday with my dad. Wow, yeah. So uh, drunk Vigo says, wait, Driscoll isn't Catholic. I've been pretty open about that. <laughs> For a long time. No, I'm not Catholic. So, uh, yes, uh, not Catholic. So, uh, Tim Jenkinson says, Brian and Ryan is putting Maris as a spy on Hall the way to go to contain him in the pocket and make him throw in the pocket with the way our corners are playing. Ryan, I answered that earlier in the week. I'm going to give you a yeah. crack at answering this question. See if you agree yeah. or disagree. Either way. I mean, I mean, th- this is my thing with, with the spy stuff, right? At times it it makes sense right and i will not push against it but i'm not a big fan of like every down spy right like every big pass play spy i'm a big fan of mix and matching coverages because if you're playing some zone coverage you're not just gonna have one defender with their eyes back to the quarterback you're gonna have a lot of defenders with your eyes back to the quarterback right so i think mixing up that type of stuff spying occasionally sure and then finishing on the quarterback with four four rushers like that's the recipe to success. I don't think that you have to design a full game plan to say, Hey, we're spying every critical third down, every obviously passing situation. We're going to spy on Jaron Hall. I don't think it's to that degree. I think that you occasionally, you know, especially if, if Notre Dame's struggling with it, then sure, let's throw out a spy at some point, right? Let's right. do that. But make some match coverages. Let's get some zone coverage. Let's get our eyes back to the quarterback and let's go make plays. That's, that's my philosophy. And if you're going to have a linebacker spying him, that would be my pick. Oh, 100%. Yeah. If, it's, if it is a linebacker, it's Marist, 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right, next question from Irish Blooded. There's legit movement from boosters to buy out Jimbo to, for two losses this year. Just insane. But see, Irish Blood, I don't think it's for two losses this year. This is what Ryan and I said in the offseason when we were kind of making fun of all the hype about Jimbo, about Texas A&M being a top-10 team. I, I never bought that because my question was, what evidence do we have that – He's done anything at AM to deserve that. A nine and one year during the COVID year. I'm gonna mm-hmm. he hasn't earned, they didn't earn a top 10 status. They went, oh, they beat Alabama. They went eight and four. They lost to LSU and Mississippi State. They lost to Mississippi State Ryan last year at home. <laughs> right? Like that was just a that was, I mean, they're just not good. And but the the buyout thing, here, here's why Jimbo Fisher is not getting bought out. Let me I'm trying to see who sent me this 
earlier in the week, but this was absolutely insane. Ryan, was it you that sent me that? Somebody sent me the the particulars on his buyout. And it was like it's like it's like seventy eight million, right, or something like, like that. It's like then it goes down to like sixty eight. Is like just absolutely insane. Yeah, the buyout numbers for him. Like, there's no way that that to me, there's just there's no way that they do that. I mean, hit. I'm actually gonna look. So it wasn't on my phone. So let me see if I can. So I can. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a, just a quick. I I saw it on Twitter, but I know what yeah. you're talking about. But let's see here. Yeah. So if if A and M fires him this year, he makes. Eight, the buyout number is eighty five point nine five million. If they fire him after twenty three, it's seventy six point eight million. Twenty four, then it drops down. Successive years: sixty seven point five five, fifty eight point two, forty eight point seven, thirty nine point two, twenty nine point five. So if they wait till the twenty twenty eight season, they still have to pay him twenty nine and a half million dollars. That it goes down to nine and a half, nine point nine million in twenty thirty, and they have to, they'd have to hold on to him till twenty thirty one to not have to pay him anything as a buyout, as an insane contract. And you know what? You deserve it. Why the heck did you give him that kind of contract to begin with? It's a good question. He was getting fired at Florida State. You know what I mean? Like, come on, his agent deserves a huge raise. There's no yeah, question about that. Sure does. He's living nice too right now. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he makes Brian Kelly's buyout look like nothing. Oh, Tyler funny. Smith says, "Would you take Brennan Armstrong in the portal?" I don't think he has any eligibility left after yeah, this year. I could I don't be wrong. Think so uh, let me look at that, Ryan. I I think you're right. I think he is in his final year. So he is a 2018 guy. So he year. might might have a sixth year. He's had some injury stuff. I'd have to go look and see. You know who has a sixth-year eligibility, which will never happen under the current coaching staff? You'd have to have a change at offensive coordinator. But you know who has a six-year of eligibility left, right? Who's that? Foljakovic. Oh, Foljakovic? Yeah. Yep. I thought you were going to say Bo Nix. No. No, I would never do that to you. That would be like the ultimate troll job of you. I would never do that to you. Like, I think that would take you a couple days to emotionally and mentally recover from, if I were to say that to you. Sure would. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I wouldn't do that to you. I'm not, I'm not mean like that. Usually uh, Ryan B B says three or four ranked teams will be unranked after this week. If Notre Dame wins handily, uh, maybe a chance to be in the top 25 possible. It's possible. Yeah. It's very yeah. possible. Yeah. I mean, there were some two lost teams. Uh, weren't there some two lost teams in the top 25 last week, Ryan? There was at least one. I think. There was definitely a lot of two lost teams getting votes. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, you had uh, – no, no two lost teams. Uh, yes, Arkansas in the coaches' yeah. poll had one. But you, like, look at it now, the top 25, either LSU or – LSU. you know, LSU loses, they could drop out. You know, there's Mississippi State, you know, Kansas. Kansas is at 19. If TCU beats them, they could fall out. You know, do, yep. I think they're going to need a couple more weeks to get in the top 25. But if Notre Dame just goes out and blasts BYU, would I be shocked if they get in the top 25? No. But keep in mind, they had zero votes in the AP last week. Zero. Yeah. Which I think is insane. Here's who, who, here's who had votes last week. Baylor had 88 votes. Why? <laughs> Don't they have two losses? I think so. So they, Baylor was 27th. You have Arkansas at 29th, two losses. You have Florida at, thir- at 31st, two losses. You have Minnesota after losing to Purdue was ranked. Tulane had nine votes last week. North Carolina had five votes in the AP last week, who Notre Dame destroyed. And then AM had four votes last week. Purdue had two votes, and Oklahoma had two votes. 
So Oklahoma just, had two yes, votes. Yes, <laughs> yes. The coaches weren't even crazy enough. To, well, actually, Oklahoma had 19 votes in the coaches' poll, so I take that back. I saw the last five and didn't see Oklahoma. Their name had five points in the in the coaches' poll. But yes, it's so silly. This is why I'm glad these polls don't have any impact on anything because it's just dumb. It's just dumb. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I believe we're getting close to the end of the questions, Ryan. Mm-hmm. We have a recruiting question here. Okay. Uh, this is from Brent Smith. He says, if we sign Jeremiah Love, Jaden Lamar, and Dylan Edwards, also factoring Jadarian Price's return, we'll have a seven-man running back room. Any chance we see a transfer from Diggs or Tyree? We answered this earlier in the week. I want to say this yep. again. Dylan Edwards is not being recruited as a running back. So with that being said, Ryan, please answer yes. the question. Yeah, I, I mean w- – like Brian just said, that was the biggest point I wanted to make is that it's not a three-man class. That is a two-man running back class of Jane Lamar and Jeremiah Love. Jeremiah Love chooses Notre Dame, and Dylan Edwards is being recruited to be that slot receiver, gadget role, re- return man type of type of nuance to the Notre Dame team. So mm-hmm. he is not factored into this. So six-man cla- six group in Notre Dame is what it would be. Is there a possibility of someone transferring at some point? I don't want to speculate on it, right? Like there's always – I feel like we've been talking about Logan Diggs transferring for the last year or so. You know, could it happen? Who knows? All I know is that Dylan Edwards is not going to factor into the running back room. Now, will Dylan Edwards line up in the backfield at times? Yes. As he should. Yes. As he yes. should. Yes. yes. He's not a running back. And yeah. why would Chris Tyree transfer? Like, he he's going to be a major player for them next year. Now, Brent, I could see Logan Diggs transferring, but that's always going to be a concern with him. Yeah. And it may not even be – he could be starting and it's going to be a concern for him. I, I, I'm i always going to be concerned about that, to be completely honest with you. I am. I am. Uh, I hope that he doesn't because I want to see him get his Notre Dame degree. I think he's a good football player. But none of those kids are going to transfer because they sign other kids that are two to three years behind them. Right. I just – especially with this staff's track record of playing freshmen. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> – I wouldn't be worried. I'm freshman going to play for me? No way. Hey, Audrey no Gessamay is a Richard freshman. I don't know what you're talking That's about. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not, actually. He played 12 games last year. I don't care. Well, I mean, he's not what, a Richard what, freshman. Whatever makes my point <laughs> correct, even if it's wrong. <laughs> it doesn't make your point correct. That was the most insane thing I've ever heard said on this show. I, even if it's wrong, as long as it makes my point correct. Um, yeah. I don't think that means I, I can spin means. it however I want, yes. sir. No, not really. <laughs> Not really. Not going to allow that. False. 
All right. So here's a couple more. We had some good questions come in. So I want to get to uh, Brandon Platts. Piets says, Brian and Ryan, are you guys thinking finally to Lewis big drop to quarterback, cornerback number two spot? I feel he has struggled. Uh, I want to make two comments on that, Ryan. I want to go, first of all, he has already been cornerback two. Benjamin Morrison has started the last two football games. Yeah. He started against Cal and he started against North Carolina. I think with ben, with Clarence Lewis, what has happened is is he had one bad play against North Carolina, and immediately everybody said, "Oh, that's Clarence Lewis again," because they have not heard his name all year. Clarence, the reason you haven't heard Clarence's name all year is because he's been really good so far this year, mm-hmm. and and he's been a really solid player. He's had, he, you know, Ohio State didn't have a lot of success against him. Marshall didn't have hardly any success against him. He played well against Cal, and he had one bad play against North Carolina, and it was a bad play. He, got, he made a mistake. But yeah. Clarence has been really solid this year. He's not great, so. but he's been really solid. Uh, so, no, I, I don't agree that he struggled, Brandon, to be honest with you. But he is cornerback number two. But he, he didn't get demoted necessarily because he wasn't playing well. It's just Benjamin Morrison's their best player at corner so far this year. I mean, outside corner. Tariq, I kind of view differently. I view Tariq as a slot corner. I'm talking about the outside corner. So I want to be specific there. He's just yeah. been their best cover player so far this year. And it started against Ohio State. I mean, he was their best corner cover guy against Ohio State. Uh, as far as Benjamin Morrison. So, um, but yes, he is, uh, Clarence has been cornerback too and yeah. uh, has handled it well, but he's still playing and he's going to play a lot. It's just, he's not the starter or at least hasn't been the starter. Although yeah. this is a game that I feel like is kind of more up his, in his wheelhouse, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But good mm-hmm. route runners, not a bunch of burners, that kind of thing is, uh, is really where he is. It's a good question by Connor Nepper, Ryan. He asked, do you guys believe this is a build year to the big games, even though we have a pretty tough remaining schedule, play younger guys so that they're ready going into next year? I, I think you play your best team this year because mm-hmm. with, if that's a young player, that's fine. I, I haven't given up on the year, though, Connor. I mean, it I, it's still like we talked about the standard a ton ye- yesterday, right? And I think that there's still a standard always, right? So I'm not I'm – not, and it's not like – NFL teams do this sometimes, right? Because there's draft picks involved and it's the tanking thing, right? College football, you're not going to get a better draft pick if you don't do as well, right? If you lose some football games. So I still want Notre Dame to beat Clemson. I still want them to beat yeah. USC because I think that those are positive steps in the right direction. And I don't think it's about just setting you up for the next year. I think you try to win every single week. So I, you know, I, I don't quite agree with that. I think Notre Dame has a lot to play for still too, Connor. I think that this is a team that that has a chance to go out and be a 10 and 2 team, earn some big wins cuz like when I first read the question earlier, I thought he was going to be build to the big games meaning you know, you get a chance to get hot and then you're ready to win those big games later in the year. Like if that's why you're playing freshman now to build to win those games, then I'm I'm cool with that. Right. But I think you should play younger kids if they are ready to play and help you play, help you win. The reason that I'm advocating for Tobias Merriweather is because he should be playing because he's too talented and the receiving core has been too mediocre for him not to play. Yeah. Simple as that. I'm not at, you have not heard me saying, you know, man, you got to get Tyson Ford in the game. This is BS. You got to play Tyson Ford more. You haven't heard me say that. Right. You haven't heard me say, where the heck is Billy Shrouth? You need to play Billy Shrouth more. You haven't heard me say, hey, where's Donovan Heinrich? You haven't heard why is, there's been what three freshman spots that I feel we should be we should see guys. Tobias at receiver, the tight ends, right? Rare and Stace kind of go together. And mm-hmm. I think we should see more of Junior Two Alamocket, middle linebacker, or Jalen Cedar Rover. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hope that we see that coming out of this game. I don't know if BYU is the game for either one of those guys, just because of how 
creative they are. They, they're, they could take advantage of those young guys making big plays. Need to see it against Stanford. Need to see it against UNLV and Syracuse. But not all freshmen – I'm not playing – I mean, you already are seeing it in the secondary. I mean, you have two freshmen that are very key rotation players in the cornerback. And and so I, I think you're the guys that I'm advocating for the younger kids – and, I mean, there's some sophomores in there, but most of the sophomores are playing, right? There's some younger kids in there that need to play to help this team win, mm-hmm. Right. That's what I'm advocating for is not to play to build for next year, but it's play to to win these games. I think Tobias Merriweather gives you a chance to win these games, these games. And so uh, same thing with Junior, same thing with Jalen Sneed at times. Same thing with I would be advocating for Benjamin Morrison if he wasn't playing more because I think he can help you win games now. Same with Eli Raritan and Holden State. So, Connor, I really think it's important to win these games because you need to keep momentum on a recruiting trail. And you need to keep building. And there's not a lot of guys that are done after this year. Yeah, there aren't. You know, and so you you don't want guys thinking that hey, if I come back next year and things don't go our way, they're just going to bench me for a younger guy. Good luck trying to convince you know Cam Hart and Brandon Joseph to come back in that instance. You know, so yeah, I you play your best players. I just think my issue is that they're just not playing their best players. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's kind of been my my thing on that, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I knew this is going to make you smile because Michael Johnson said this, and Ryan has texted me and told me this like three or four times in the last two weeks. Uh, Michael says, I want Jeff Sims. This is a quarterback from Georgia Tech. I want Jeff Sims if he's in the portal, Ryan. I knew uh, I knew that I'd pull that up, and that would make you happy. I, man, I just uh, – Brian, I think that there's some Hendon Hooker to him if he enters the portal, man. Like, I really do. I think that we have not seen nearly as good as what Jeff Sims could be because he's just on a – very bad situation. I really think he's talented, man. So if he ever entered the portal and he's also a Georgia tech kid. So I would think that academically he's pretty good, you know, so that he might be able to, to make, to make the uh, transfer work. But mm-hmm. I mean, again, he's not even in the portal. So it's just, you know, it's just a hypothetical at this point, but if Jeff Sims does enter the portal, if I was Notre Dame, I'd reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I would hundred percent. Yeah. I would not. I'd reach out because I think I'd talk to him. I just don't think he has the accuracy that I want in this offense. I don't think Tom Reese would have any clue how to use Jeff Sims appropriately. I don't. I think that says so much about but, Tommy but, Reese. But that's the reality, <laughs> right? But that's yeah. the reality. I'm, I not dis- I'm not disagreeing I think, necessarily. I but. think that Jeff Sims has a really live arm and he's athletic. He's just never impressed me with his ability. He, he you know, he reminds me. He reminds me a lot of Ian Book. I just don't see him processing real quickly and effectively and efficiently. I think he's he can be really erratic as a thrower. Now you could say maybe he's not being coached well or all that. Mm-hmm. I just think that that I I don't know what he would bring that other than experience that you that you don't have with Tyler Buckner, except maybe he doesn't have the injury history, right? But I feel like if you're gonna bring in a transfer quarterback, it needs to be a guy that you look and say, that guy's definitely better than what you have. And I just don't know if he's that guy. And I don't know who that guy is, Ryan. I mean, you know, because you think it's Jeff Sims. I think it would be Tyler Van Dyke if he were to jump in the portal. You don't think it's Tyler. Van- I mean, so there's there's all these kids are going to have flaws because if it's yeah. a guy that 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 doesn't have flaws, it's either going to be a, 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 a freshman or sophomore who can't go pro, who's a mm-hmm. star, or it's mm-hmm. going to be a veteran guy who's looking to kind of resurrect his career because things didn't quite go his way. You know, and, and there's just, you know, it, there's just not a lot of guys like that. You know, they got Jack Cohn because Paul Chris screwed up. I mean, that's yeah. the only reason they got Jack Cohn. 
So that's that's my only concern, Ryan, is I just don't know who that guy is going to be right now. And that's why I haven't spent a ton of time on it. But you know, to kind of answer another question, Irishman 7-1 on forces, I understand you can't answer because of sources and stuff, but do you think Notre Dame will get a 2023 quarterback recruit or a grad transfer? I think the goal is to do both. Yes, I agree. agree um, on that one. Will they get either? I don't know. But I think the the goal is certainly is 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 both, Ryan. Someone someone just said Tyler Van Don't in the chat, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Van Dyke was really good football player last year, and he's he's to me he's a product of. I'm not a big fan of Josh Gaddis. I just I don't That's I don't I've never been a fan of Josh Gaddis. Uh, you, you look at what Tyler Van Dyke did last year. If you put that kid on Notre Dame's roster, that's a really good football player and a really good team. And he fits what Tom Reese likes to do, much more so than Jeff Sims does. And I think that has to be factored in because that is Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. So I, I want to address this, too. This is, I think, a very inaccurate statement. Derek Calmer, appreciate you saying it, Derek, but he says, disagree that these polls don't mean anything. The committee sees it and uses it to rate wins and losses. No, they do not. The committee has always been very adamant that they do not care about those polls. They rate wins and losses based on how they evaluate teams, right? So uh, am I saying the committee members don't glance at polls? Sure they do. I would imagine that they do, but they do not use that. They use their own criteria to once they sit down in late October and start making their rankings, they base it off of they put together their top 25 and that, and it's, it's values off of that. So no, these things don't mean anything. And the reason we know that is because the committee is always very different in a lot of ways from the AP and the coaches' polls. Like, m- remember when uh, BYU two years ago was a perfect example. BYU was really high in the coaches and AP poll, and then the first ranking came out, and ESPN almost lost their minds because of how low BYU was ranked. You remember that, Ryan, yep. in 2020? Yep. And it's like, well, who was BYU beat? You know, and anybody that year, man. Nobody. nobody. And the committee was like, we don't care what they think. You know, the committee's always been had some pretty big differences with the poll. So, no, I, I don't think that it, it I don't think it matters. It definitely doesn't matter when it comes to like where you can make a case, Derek, is maybe it matters for like the initial poll. But even then, I don't I don't think it. But once they have their own ranking, that's what they base it off of is is uh, is those kind of things. So that's kind of how I look at it, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. So Tristan Paul says, I feel like if Notre Dame comes out flat and loses tomorrow, we have a coaching problem. Definitely very telling day. That's a pretty dark way of looking at the game, but I mean, it it does show that they have a coaching problem right now, right? I mean, I don't think you would necessarily disagree with that. I think the question would be, is there any chance for a long-term problem or is it more of just this current staff needs some tweaking after the season. I think that would be the bigger question for me. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think about it right now. I mean, yep. Tristan, I, I mean, I think again, if with every potential loss, there is going to be a moment where you're like, okay, what is the, what is the overall state of this program? What does this loss mean? And every loss I think means something differently. If, and I, but I agree with you that if they come out of the bye week after having some momentum entering and then they lay a goose egg against BYU, there is an issue there. There is 100% an issue. Mm-hmm. Now, is it long-term issue? Is it something that can be remedied? I'm not really sure about it. I have to take that one step at a time. But I do think that you're on par with like, hey, that's a eye-opening, like, what the heck is happening right now type of thing if they lay a goose egg tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan B. said uh, they were talking about cows only – UNLV being the only loss for uh, – cows the only loss for UNLV. And then Ryan B. said, yes, cows their loss. We, we – 
who we were one pass away from losing to, uh, that pass would have tied the game. Yeah. Unless Cal would have gone for two, that would have only tied the game. So they were not a mm-hmm. pass away from tying or mm-hmm. losing. They were a pass away from tying in a game that Notre Dame dominated the second half. I mean, they, yes. they did. They did. We also have a uh, here. So uh, Beef Eater says, uh, Brian, any chance of an IB meetup in Syracuse? That's definitely something to consider. Part mm-hmm. of it's going to depend on when kickoff is because Ryan and I will both be in town for that game. So uh, just as we get close when we find out what time kickoff is, it'll determine because I'm actually driving. I'm not flying in for that game. It's like about a seven and a half hour drive. So I actually decided to be a lot cheaper. And it was to get a rental car and just drive, just shoot on over. So I'll be driving to that game. Um, I think, Ryan, you'll be driving up for it as well, right? I will be. Yeah. So it just depends on uh, what time the game is, because if the game's like an afternoon or noon game, it'll be hard because I probably won't be getting until Friday night. Maybe we can try something Friday night or Saturday. But once we find out what time kickoff is, Beef Eater, bring this back up again, and we'll be able to solidify some plans. I'm always cool. I'm always down to meet some people. So uh, there's no doubt. And then, you know, since Ryan will be there as well. Yep. Brent Smith asks, how would you classify uh, the Notre Dame offense, pro West Coast? I think it's a, a, a pro-style spread offense. Would you agree with that, Ryan? 100%. Yep. I think at times it's just pure pro-style. Like when they are yes. really heavy on 12 personnel, it's just flat-out pro-style. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think since Tom Reese took over, it's been more just pro style. I think under Chip Long, it was more a pro style spread. Yeah, I think under Tom Reese, it's been more just pro style. Would you yep. Would you agree with that? I agree. I agree. I mean, I think, and but I like to. He said West Coast, like there's West Coast elements, sure, sure. but that's like that's every offense. It, now, every pro, honest. every NFL offense has some West Coast emphasis to it. Everyone. Yep. I mean, Alabama's. I mean, Sark. Sark is a, a West Coast guy. There's elements to what he does. That's partly why Sark doesn't like stop routes. Yes. Because the West Coast offense used very few stop routes. It was a lot of movement stuff. And that's kind of where that philosophy came from. Ex- exactly. So yeah. uh, somebody said spread. It's not a spread offense. A spread offense, there's two ways to use the word spread. One is your offense just spreads people out formationally. The spread offense ha- is a legitimate, like you can point to ph- philosophical principles that are part of a spread offense. And Clemson, was very much a spread offense. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to have a lot of quarterback read stuff. You're going to use a lot of spread stuff, a lot of perimeter screens. It's going to have a, a lot of those type of principles uh, in them that are going to kind of uh, fit that. So, yes, it, it spread is – spread is and, that, and Notre Dame is not that team. They're not that team. They've always been pro style since really – they were a spread offense. There was a time they were a spread offense, sort of. Brian Kelly's first – I'd say three years at Notre Dame, they were kind of a spread offense, ran a lot of G scheme, ran a lot. They were pin and pull the first two years. They were a pin and pull team. They didn't have a running quarterback, but they would do read zone with Dane Chris. I mean, that's the play got hurt on against Michigan. I believe was pulling on a read zone back in 2010. So they were definitely a, a spread then, but they have gone more to pro style. It started, the transition started in 2012 and from 13 on, it was very much a pro style team. They were more pro style spread under Chip Long because he liked to do G scheme and buck sweep and you know throw some of the RPO stuff things like that. But uh, yeah, uh, Tyler Smith with a super chat says uh, thank you Tyler for that. Was listening to ninety seven point one the fan here in Ohio and they think Ryan Day is going to have to get a QB in the portal because they haven't been playing McCord. He would be soiled to get if he he would be um, he would be soiled to get if he he would be okay. Uh, he'd be a big pickup if they get him. I just solid. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I don't know what you're trying to say there, buddy, but it, uh, 
I just don't see Kyle McCord not leaving. Like, why would he leave? Like, he's not going to leave during the season. That'd be dumb, right? But C.J. Stroud's going to be a top five pick next year. Like, C.J. Stroud's not coming back. You're going to walk right into this situation Ohio State. You're going to have, like, what, two to three years left to play. Why would he leave Ohio State? Because he's not playing this year. He's not playing behind a guy who's ahead of who's older than him. I don't understand like why he would leave, Ryan. That does he's a redshirt freshman right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he'll have he's three years left after this. So I, I don't yeah. that wouldn't make any sense to me. I, I think Ohio State fans just like to say crap to to get clickbait and stuff like I mean, like the whole thing about the Brian Hartline and categorically denying he'd be the offense uh, coordinator in Notre Dame. Like, what why are we that. talking about this? Like, why is yeah. this even something we're talking about? Oh, you guys don't have enough to oh, I get it. You guys are playing Rutgers every week and Toledo every week, and so nobody cares about what you're talking about because your schedule sucks since the Notre Dame game. So you gotta have something to talk about. So there we go. Uh, you know, I guess that's maybe why they're talking about it. I I would be shocked if Kyle McCord left because of playing time, because he's gonna walk right into that job. Do you think he's worried about Devin Brown beating him out? No. He is not. He is not. I can assure you of that. So anyway, that's uh, that's my take on this game. So I think, Ryan, that's a good place to end it. It's a good place to end it. But, yes, I'll say this. If Kyle McCord did go to the portal and was interested in Notre Dame, heck to the yes on whether or not I would want him. And Notre Dame, there's no doubt. That kid is incredibly talented. Incredibly talented. So, anyway, Ryan, that's going to do it. Great show today. Tons of, of, of fun. Great analysis from you today. A lot Had a lot of fun in the mailbag today. Uh, very, very much. Somebody asked if we're coming out to California. I will not be coming to California uh, for the USC game. Ryan will not be either. I am trying to get somebody out there, potentially one of my West Coast guys, potentially going to that game, but uh, we won't be at that game uh, this year. So anyway, for Ryan Roberts, I'm Brian Driscoll. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave us a five-star review. 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, IB countdown to kickoff with Sean Styers and Vincent Dario. And of course, about 20 minutes after the game, since I'm not going to be at the game, we're going to get started with the post-game show about 20 minutes after the game. Uh, so we will definitely be ready to rock and roll on that. So we'll so lots of action coming up, everybody. So join the Irish, Irish Breakdown message boards, boards.irishbreakdown.com for the latest news, notes, and discussion about learning football. Have a great rest of your Friday, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>